awesome. We begin a new series today called, well, we actually kind of introduced it last week with Pastor Philip Pretorius, who was here with us, but we are beginning it in earnest today. It's called Impact Your World. Remember, we did Encounter God. Now we're doing Impact Your World because that's who we are as every nation reigns. We encounter God and we impact our worlds. So we are trusting that as we go through the series, God will impact you in a way that allows you to impact the people around you. So Father, I pray as we begin that your grace would be upon us, that your name would be glorified. Lord God, let it not just be my words that they hear, but let them hear the words of heaven, your words, your voice. Mold our hearts, mold our thinking, mold our actions as we listen to your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. And before I start preaching, I was just reminded now that during worship, I felt like there was at least one man here who was having problems with his lungs. I, I heard you coughing and just battling with something in your lungs. And so I felt like I would love to pray for people who are battling with any kind of lung issues. Also, I felt a persistent pain in my right hip upper leg. So if anyone has any issues in their, their right hip or upper leg, I would love to pray for you. So if, that, if you're here with lung problems or leg hip um, problems, won't you stand up? I, I feel like God wants to heal you today. So if that's you, go ahead and just stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we, we trust you because you're good. Holy Spirit, we remind ourselves of the fact that by your stripes we are healed. We remind ourselves that you sent your word to heal us. We remind ourselves, Lord God, that you became a curse for us, that we would not have to suffer, suffer under the curse of the law. And right now in Jesus' name, I speak to these bodies and I say, hear the word of the Lord. Be healed in Jesus' name. I speak to these lungs and I say, be clear, be hold, whole, be restored in Jesus' name. I speak to these leg hip issues and I say, be healed, be whole, be restored right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, we don't care why these issues are here. We only know that you are the God of healing. And right now in Jesus' name, we stand on that and we declare to these bodies, be healed in Jesus' name, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? I would love those of you who have been prayed for to come and speak to me afterwards because I'd love to actually just hear your story and hear what God has done as we prayed. And if you're not fully healed, to pray again and trust God because I believe very strongly God said to me he was going to heal you this morning. So I would love to speak to you afterwards. Again, Lord Jesus, hear us as we break open your word. Lord God, open our hearts. Let us see what you need us to see and hear what you need us to hear. So today I want to talk about following Jesus. Have you noticed that who or what you follow makes you into something? Social media. Have you noticed that, that when you're on social media, if you click on something or spend some more time on something, if you follow something in your social media feed, have you noticed that TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and any other social media that you're on, 
sends you things that comply with that. Have you noticed that? They're not being kind. They're not thinking, oh my word, this person loves fluffy white puppies. Let us send her articles and pictures on fluffy white puppies. No. They are trying to keep you as long as possible on their platforms so they can make money from you from their advertising. I'm just sorry to burst your bubble. But that's what's going on. Someone is trying to make money from you. But oh my word, woe to you if you happen to click on a conspiracy theory post. You know, it's like you are plunged into an alternate universe where everything is trying to get you or put a chip in your brain. Have you noticed? Woe to you if you, like me, have gone onto Instagram and followed a DIY specialist because you were hoping to persuade your husband to build a particular cupboard for you. Because suddenly, every DIY guru in the world is on your feed. And after the two or three weeks of this, you even know what a talk spanner is. You see, who and what you follow feeds your mind and begins to make you into something. I haven't yet built a cupboard, but who knows what's coming. Who or what you follow makes you into something for good or for bad. I want to look at, in the Bible, probably the greatest example, the best example, the most good example. Bad English, but making a point. The most good example of what following can do for a person. So let's turn to Matthew 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, from verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, that's Jesus. He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Lord Jesus, bless us as we break open your word. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he, he wants to call particular men to him to become his disciples, that they would become the, the seedbed of a revolution that he was bringing to this earth, where he was going to turn the world upside down, where he was going to start a revolution that would never end. Within 200 years from this moment, God had impacted all the world that you could get to by road. I mean, he started a spectacular movement, and he did it 
in this incident by calling people to follow him. I would love you to notice something that that always strikes me, and I'm going to tell you about that thing that strikes me in a minute after I say this very thing, is that this, this scripture is primarily about that giant phrase that Jesus used, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we are going to, we're going to get to that because that is like the, the shining in bright light statement that cannot be ignored in the scripture. But before we get there, I want, to notice you, I want you to notice something that really strikes me with a little bit of intimidation every time I read the scripture. And it is this. Immediately they left. Jesus calls them, he says, come and follow me. And it says, Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets. Did you see that? Here, James and John, they are immediately leaving the boat and their father and following him. Now the nets of fishermen were their livelihood. So it says that immediately Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. That is radical, radical obedience. That's off the charts obedience. Now when we look through the Gospels from here on out, we do notice something that they did go back to fishing from time to time. So so Jesus wasn't saying you can't ever have a livelihood again. But he was saying this, which is very, very important. From now on, your livelihood must come second to following me. Peter and Andrew, they, sorry, not Peter and Andrew, I'm getting getting mixed up here. Um, James and John, they left their boats, which in essence... In those days, you, it took generations to save up, to build a boat and get a boat. This was their generational inheritance. And immediately, they left. Immediately, they left their father. Now, God's not against a generational inheritance for you. He's not against your family. But he is saying, all these things must come second to following me. When I look at this radical obedience that these four men exhibited in this scripture, it leads me to two questions. And you only see one question on the board, but we're going to get to the second one on the screen, should I say. And it, because when I, when I think of obedience, I don't know, in this very individualistic world in which we live, where you are supposed to, according to all the media around you, you are supposed to make yourself into exactly what you want to be. In this world that is around us, the concept of obedience is just like grates against your soul. And certainly the word obey is a four-letter word. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Do you know what a four-letter word is? It's supposed to be a swear word. I thought that was quite funny, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, I worked hard on that. Please, just turn to your neighbor and laugh and say, just for Carol. 
just for Carol. Okay, you got it. Fantastic. Then I'm going to have to train you to guys to follow me when I'm preaching. So to obey is a four-letter word. And when I think of it, I think, oh my gosh, if I'm going to obey, it's, it's, like, it's like all the fun seems to see, sap out of life. And I ask this question, can obedience be fun? And then there's another question I ask, because I don't know how you feel, but, but I've had to obey parents and obey school teachers, and it was painful. And I ask myself this question, if I'm going to have to have that kind of radical obedience to Jesus, will it also be painful? Can obedience be fun and will obedience be painful? These are two things that burst into my mind when I think about this kind of radical obedience. And the answer to both, the answer to both of those things is a resounding yes. Obedience can be fun. And obedience will be painful. To illustrate what I'm talking about, I want to take you back to my 15-year-old self. Pimples and all. My 15-year-old self, my greatest ambition at 15 was to have a handsome boyfriend. I hadn't yet met Andrew, so I didn't really know what handsome was. Brownie points right there. <laughs> but you see, the media that I consumed, my friends around me, they, they absolutely agreed with me. That if I could just have a handsome boyfriend, I would feel more valuable in my environment, I would feel more loved, and to a large degree, I would be more powerful and influential in my environment. So all I needed was a handsome boyfriend. Now, like I said, I had not met Andrew yet, so I didn't know what handsome was. But more importantly, I hadn't met Jesus yet. And so I had no idea what value looked like. Any value I would have tried to grab out of that relationship would have paled in comparison to what was coming. I did not know what love was. And any love I would have thought I would have between me and this very handsome man, I would have paled in comparison to what I was really, what was really coming on the horizon. Yeah. And in addition... My sense of wanting to be powerful in my community, be well thought of, have influence, had nothing on the power that Jesus held in his baby finger. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful that Jesus, when he found me, he asked me to give up many of my lesser loves so that I could gain these greater ones. I'm so grateful that he said to me, come and follow me, and I will make you into something. I'm so grateful 
that the friends around me at the time and the people around me agreed with me to immediately leave those things and follow him. Because what I got on the other side is so much better that my, than my, what my very limited understanding at that moment could comprehend. I would have settled for so much less than what he had for me. So much less. Can obedience be fun? Absolutely. In my church community, with my church friends, I have had more fizzy drinks coming out of your nose, you laughing so much, minutes than I've ever had before. I've had more laugh till your belly hurts than, I've ever, than I ever had before. I mean, I... I have experienced fun at another level. Is obedience painful? Absolutely. I have cried many a night over the lesser loves that Jesus has called me to give up. Over the lesser ambitions that Jesus has called me to hand over. But ultimately... What I received in its place took me back to that place of joy and life. Paul said it in a very profound way in Romans 8 verse 18. He said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Can obedience be fun? Absolutely. You have no idea what is waiting on the other side for you, on the other side of your obedience, your radical obedience. On the other hand, will obedience be painful? Absolutely. But it will be so worth it because, again, on the other side is so much more than you've ever given up. So much more than you've ever given up. Let's go back to that, that phrase that towers over this portion of scripture. Follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Did you know that? Absolutely. I mean, it's like you have to do nothing to come to me. He didn't say to these disciples, clean up your act, make yourself better so that you can follow me. He simply said, follow me and I will make you. Jesus loves you just the way you are. However, he loves you enough not to leave you that way. And he absolutely will make you into something. So following Jesus is not just about obedience. Following Jesus is also about becoming something. And you see, as human beings, we don't like to change. We want to stay just as we are. It's, Lord, change the world around me so that I can be comfortable. But ultimately... Jesus says, follow me, and I will begin, begin a process of change in you. I will make you into something 
that is going to blow your mind. You see, God's goal is not to make you comfortable with who you think you are, but to change you into who you were always meant to be. And like me at 15, you have no idea how glory th- glorious that is. Honestly and truly, guys, everything you've asked of God, I say this all the time, is too small. The picture he has for your life is so much more than you've ever dreamed of. If we could just follow him, abandon all, and just be with him, and allow him to transform us, what we we get on the other side is so, so much more than anything we have given up. Now, the word transformation, to be transformed, he doesn't use it in this particular scripture, but it's used all throughout the New Testament, is the word metamorphosis. We translate it in our scientific journals as metamorphosis. And so when we think of Jesus making us into something, the beautiful picture arises, of course, of a little squirmy caterpillar. Do you all know metamorphosis is the process by which a caterpillar turns into a butterfly? I just need to check that. Now you know. Okay, so, so the, the picture of Jesus making us into something as we follow him can easily be put into the squirmy little caterpillar who eats leaves and hangs around on stems of plants. God takes the squirmy little caterpillar, insert your name in there, and encases you in his love and presence and in a very intimate and secret way begins to transform you from the inside out and you emerge as this magnificent butterfly that soars on the wind of his presence and eats nectar instead of leaves. Caterpillars destroy crops, butterflies fertilize crops. You go from a bad influence to being necessary in society from every good thing but for many of you this analogy doesn't work I know because in your mind being a butterfly has never really worked so in that case Optimus Prime baby so you got you got it is that just as easily God can take your basic mechanical life and turn you into this powerful defender of the innocent, bringer of justice, establisher of righteousness, guns on arms and all. So whichever analogy works for you, would you just receive it? They are both true. However, I do want to define one thing, is that, I mean, we all want to be powerful. Even one of the reasons I wanted a handsome boyfriend was to be powerful. If you can't influence people, find someone who can and stick with them. You know, it's just like, manipulate them into doing what you want. It's the age-old cry of humanity. But, But we all want to be powerful. But you see, in the kingdom of God, power looks different. And yes, you're going to defend the innocent, you're going to establish justice, but there's a way in which powerfulness in a human being looks like security in who you are. 
It doesn't look like dominating others to do what you want. It looks like a deep-seated strength inside of you that will allow you to do what's right no matter what. A deep-seated security within you that means that no matter what people say, I know who I am and I know I am loved. I know I am right with my God. So interestingly enough, when I look back at that scripture, I see an interesting thing that, that Jesus said to them, he's, he took fishers, fishermen, and he turned them into fishers of men. Did you notice that? Besides being a mind-blowingly good wordplay. It also, it also strikes me as interesting that he used that phrase, I'm making to fishers of men. Because it was so rooted in their world. He didn't say this to them, fishermen, I will make you into bridge builders. But they were going to be bridge builders between different cultures and communities. He didn't say to them, I will make you into disciples of nations. They were going to become that. But he didn't say that to them. Why not? Because you see, Jesus knows where you come from. You see, Jesus was going to use the fact that they were fishermen to take all of those raw materials and make them into something. You see, he wants you to know that there is absolutely nothing wasted in your life. That everything you have been through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he will take every single one of those things and he will make it into something. There are no lost years. And you know, that should encourage you because some of you have come from some hectic stuff. And the bottom line is, God is not afraid of that. He will take you, warts and all, baggage and all, and he will bring it into a beautiful creation of who you were meant to be. God wastes nothing in making you new. Romans 8.28 says he uses all things. All things work together for your good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. What I also note, interestingly enough, is he took fishers. He took fishers. <laughs> didn't take fishers. He left the fishers right where they were. He took fishermen and he turned them into fishers of men, men that would go out and find people and bring them to Jesus. You see, what he was going to make them into was not just for them. I want you to note that. Is that what Jesus is going to make you into is not just for you. It's going to be glorious for you, but it is also for the world. He was going to make them into something that was going to transform the world. As I said, 200 years and pretty much everywhere that they could reach was transformed. Give him a thousand years and pretty much everywhere that they couldn't get to was also transformed. Christianity even today is the fastest growing religion in the world. It's growing faster than the population rate. Did you know that? That Pentecostal charismatic evangelical Christianity, which is who we are, is growing faster than the increase in the population of the world. God is, God is not playing games. He wants his will back. And he's going to change you into the kind of people that are going to do it with him. I want to close with the story of a friend. This man 
he, we met him in one of our church plants and he had been brought to the church by some members of the, of the congregation. His name was Francois. We all called him Soys. So from now on, he is Soys to you. But Soys had been terribly abused as a young child to the point where the physical abuse that he had gone through, let alone the emotional abuse, but the physical abuse that he had gone through had left his body so damaged that his kidneys no longer worked properly, his eyesight was failing, and his hearing was failing. He came into the church and he was so grateful that Jesus had called him to follow him. He was so grateful. And you know what, guys? He gave himself to the work of what Jesus was doing. He set up chairs. He washed dishes. He loved on people. He told every friend he knew about what Jesus had done. He eventually became the church administrator and worked closely with Andrea and myself. At one time in the church, we had, we had developed a large counseling ministry with many counselors, and we were handling very serious cases across the whole of the city in all different kinds of churches and different walks of life. And at one stage, my most senior counselors, my most trained and, and able to handle the most difficult cases, two sets of them went on holiday at the same time. And so we were left with a little bit of a, a pickle because the, the cases that they were seeing, we couldn't just leave them. They needed, to, they needed someone to walk with them over that period of time. And Soyes put up his hand. He said, I, I don't know much about counseling, but I'll I can just be a friend to one of them. So we paired him up with an alcoholic who was himself abusive in his family environment and had strong suicidal tendencies. And I said to Soyes, don't, don't try and do anything. Just walk with, just be a friend to him. Just, just be around, just be there for him. We'll just hold on until these guys get back from their holiday. He said, sure, I'll do that. So when they get back, I'm having a debrief and a handover and I'm, I'm getting things back to the way they were. And I turn to Soyes and I say, so how's it going with this guy? He says, he turns to me like with absolute straight face, he's healed. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, no, he doesn't drink anymore. He doesn't abuse his family, and he has no more suicidal tendencies. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know how it is when you believe in miracles, and then one happens in front of you, and you don't believe it? You know how that is? I mean, I interrogated him. I went at it. It's like, tell me every detail. What are you talking about? Where is this guy? I want to talk to him. Turns out that he, it was right. This guy had given up all of that. And for, for the amount of time that we pastored that church, that man never went back to alcohol. He never went back to abusing his family, and he never had suicidal tendencies again. So I said to Soyes, what did you do? Now, I want you to understand, these experienced counselors have been working with this man for a long time. I said, what did you do? He said this to me. It was so profound. He said, I just taught him to follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. I said, explain. <laughs> he said, when the pain of my past comes to my mind, all I do 
is I turn and focus on Jesus and what he's done for me. And then I tell Jesus exactly what I'm feeling. And then I ask Jesus to fill the hole in my heart and to fill the misunderstandings in my mind with his love and his truth. And he says, the pain dissipates and I keep walking. And he said, I just taught the man to do it. And after a week, he came to me and he says, I don't, every time I want to drink, I just do that thing that you told me. I just follow Jesus. And then the need for a drink just dissipates. And he said, I'm just keeping on doing that. You see, following Jesus transforms you and the world. Following Jesus transforms you and the world into more than you've ever imagined. There's not a moment in that alcoholic man's mind that he ever thought he was going to be free. But then he met a man who was free. And he just did what he did. He followed Jesus like that other man was following Jesus. And you see, when... When we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us into something. Part of that making means he sets us free to be who we've always meant to be. And it's that freedom that is so attractional to the world around us. And as we continue to follow Jesus, when we turn to the world and we say, you can have exactly what I have, come and follow Jesus like I am following Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's not difficult. I will take one step and then you follow and do that. As I follow Jesus, you follow me. And then I, as you see Jesus clearer and clearer, you just follow him yourself and you invite someone else to come and follow you as you're following Jesus and introduce him and and they will follow Jesus and before you know it the whole world is bowing before the name of Jesus free alive free from the addictions and the pain of the past and looking to Jesus to transform not only themselves but their world you see this is how you impact your world you follow Jesus with radical obedience And in so doing, he transforms you into something you could never have been before. A free, secure, powerful, loved, and valuable human being. And in that, he makes you into someone who catches men and women alive. And brings them into the presence of Jesus. And allows them to follow him as you are following him. Who or what you follow will make you into something. Unlike social media, Jesus is kind. And he doesn't do it for selfish gain. He does it because he loves you. Nothing but goodness is in his heart toward you. He will never ask anything of you that will not bring ultimately joy, life, and freedom. You can trust him completely. You can have radical obedience because there is no one. There is no one who knows you like he does. And there is no one who has good for you. Thoughts of good for you like he does. Amen. I want to, I want to pray. But I want to invite all of us to stand. Because I want to invite all of us
to recommit to following Jesus. I mean, I don't know if you're following Jesus or not. I assume that the majority of here, you are following Jesus. But as I've been speaking, perhaps in your mind and heart, you, you've realized that there's been some resistance in your heart towards some of the following part, the radical obedience part. Some of it, like you've, you've held back something. And, and God wants to say again, Lord Jesus is worth your radical obedience. And some of you, you're just following him absolutely with everything you have. And I say, well done. Let's just say it again. What can it hurt? And some of you, you have never actually made that decision to follow Jesus. And this is your opportunity to do that for all of us. For all of us. I want us to, so to speak, look Jesus in the eye and say, yes. As we hear him saying, come follow you, come follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men, into builders of nations, into creators of bridges, into lovers of people, into bringers of my kingdom. I will make you into something as you follow me. And I want to, us to look Jesus in the eye as we hear him say that to our hearts. And I want us to say yes. And in our hearts, I want us to immediately leave everything. And say, Jesus, where you go, I will go. Who you gather around you will be my people. What you say, I will do. What you give me, I will receive with gratitude. I give you all my life. And so right now, I'm going to ask you where you are. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we come to you. We come to you. Lord, you're worth it. No one knows us like you do. No, no one did for us what you have done. Lord God, all the longings in our heart pale in comparison with the good things you want to give us. We trust you. We know, we know that you have good for us. And yet, Lord God, from time to time we fear and we hold on. And Lord God, we repent and turn from that. And Lord God, we return to you and we say, yes, we will follow you. We will go where you go. We will do what you do. We will say what you say. Lord Jesus, we come and we commit ourselves once more to following you. Lord God, we acknowledge that it's going to be more fun than we've ever imagined, but we also know that it's going to be more painful at times than we've ever imagined. And Lord, yet we still say yes. We still say yes. Lord, we're yours. We will follow you where you go. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we make this commitment to you, would you come and fill us? Lord God, would you, would you bring, bring to pass, begin, accelerate the process of us becoming who we were meant to be? Lord God, we open our hearts and we say, change us where we need to change, Lord. We acknowledge that we need to become something, Lord. And so we give our lives and we say, thank you for accepting us just as we are. But Lord, don't leave us like that. Don't leave us like that. Change us. Make us into something. Make us into something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
You know, as I was preparing the sermon, I saw this picture in my mind and I felt like it was God. And I felt like him say to my soul that, you know, when we make a commitment, it's almost like sometimes we need to do something to solidify that commitment in our heart. And I felt like he challenged me to invite you that if you really mean that, if you really want to do that, that you would come forward outside of your seats and you would come to this open space in the front and you kneel down by yourself in God's presence and you would give your life to following him. And I know that's uncomfortable, it's awkward, it's difficult, but obedience is fun and it's also painful. And let's start now with letting God know that we mean what we say, that we mean what we say. So if that's you, if you feel like you, you're fine and your, your commitment to following Him is intact and good and fine, please feel free to stay in your seat. But if, if you know that today you need to make a commitment, you need to change something, I'm inviting you to come forward and kneel here. Thank you. Thank you. Come on up. If you're in doubt while you're standing there and you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do, well, I would invite you to just do it. You lose more by staying in your seat than by coming. So Lord God, we, we receive these people. We welcome them. We welcome them. Those of you who are still standing, won't you just extend your hands to these? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's no place, you can just kneel in the aisle. That's so fine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we, Lord God, I'm kneeling here right also. Lord, I need you more. Lord God, personally, I need more radical obedience in my life. I need to be more courageous, more, more willing to do what you say, more, more, more close to your footsteps, Lord. So, Lord God, I'm asking for these kneeling and for myself. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and do a work that we never deemed possible. Come and change us. Make us new. Lord God, make us into something, something beyond what we've even asked. Holy Spirit, we commit ourselves to walking with you, to following you. Lord God, there have been things in our life that we've held back. And Lord God, we repent and we turn and we give it to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The last thing I want to do for all these people kneeling at the front, won't you just look up at me? I see you. I hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome home. Because there's a crowd following Jesus. Look at all of us. It's the best place to be. When you follow Jesus, you find you find like-minded people. And it's so freeing for your soul. I know it's a bit tough on the knees, so I'm going to allow you to stand up. How's that? I mean, we need some like soft cushions at the front here. But I'm going to invite Bonolo. I'm going to ask if every single one of you wouldn't mind just going with Bonolo. I know you're all at different phases, and, and some of you are committing your lives for the first time, but some of you, it's been a long, a long walk with Jesus, and we, we count that, and we, we don't discount that. But what I want to do is I would love you to go with Bonolo and her team, and what I would like you to do is just let us know where you are so that we can help you. We'd love your name and address so that we can walk with you in your next steps, so we can stand with you, and we can make sure that this commitment you made today stands forever. Amen and amen. So if you could go with Bunolo, if you wouldn't mind, she'll be with you for a very short amount of time. There she is raising her hand. Can we give them a hand as they go? So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite you to go out, have some coffee, sign up for the various social season events at the table. If you need if you're on your way to marriage or you're in a serious relationship, please go and sign up for our pre-marriage. We love you. God is with you and he has plans for you that are beyond anything you've asked for. Have a glorious time. Amen.